It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to connect here on Rise FM and on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. I am Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And happy Pastor Appreciation Month. Yes, it is. So it's a time to honor your pastors, and we hope that you have come up with a plan of some sort to honor them, love on them, and let them know how much you care. That's right, because they a lot of them are hurting. Absolutely. And there are a lot of things that we have done in, in pastor appreciation celebrations over the years. And today we're going to begin what we think is going to take a couple of weeks because, well, it's us. And we're going to be talking about Pastor Appreciation Month and some things for Focus on the Family. But before we dive into that, Tom, we dive to God's Word. Yeah, out of 1 Timothy 5, 7, Paul, uh, 17, Paul writes, The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor. That would also maybe double wages, too. Uh, yeah, in some cases, yes. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Leadership guru Peter Drucker made the observation that over the years he had made a career out of studying the most challenging management roles out there. And he said he is now convinced that the two most difficult jobs in the world are to be president of the United States and to be the leader of a church. That may be the first time I've ever heard those two put together. together. We we might say some presidents make it more difficult than others. That'd be one way to put it safely, yes. (laughs) Um, no, don't, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we better not go there now. Right. But he lumps being the leader of a church in with being president of the United States in terms of difficulty. A ref in a, a basketball game or a football game oftentimes can only be 50% right is really a good outcome for them because half the people are not going to like his decision. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a meteorologist. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, the likelihood is pastors are in, in that position, too, where they know they're going to make some decisions, and part of the congregation is not going to go for this. So what does that do to the pastor? How long can you put up with that? Exactly. Right. How long can they, they tolerate their family being treated poorly? Right. So we turn, Tom, to some information from Focus on the Family here, and I'd kind of like you to break this down and and uh, share with us your thoughts on this information as we go through it. Well, and Scott, so Focus on the Family would say pastors and their families live under incredible pressures. Their lives are played out in a fishbowl with the entire congregation and community watching their every move. It's almost, and there might be a theme of this through this show, of it's as if the pastor is looked at almost like Jesus, that their expectations are very similar. Well, how can a pastor lead a church in some of the congregation's mind if 
they don't have children that are showing that they're behaved and they're getting all great grades and they're prim and proper and doing all the right things. When it's also true that it's a fallen and damaged world for them (laughs) and God has given them a free will. So we can do all we can as parents. They may still rebel. And, and before you start throwing stones at the pastor's kids, you might want to take a look at your own. That's true. Oh, yeah. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Oh, that, that was some. It was in my head. It didn't mean to come out, but it did. <laughs> it slipped. <laughs> you know, and I didn't think about, Tom, the idea of not only they're living in a fishbowl from the congregation's perspective, right? but the world is watching, right? just waiting for a mistake. And to some degree, at Heritage, that fishbowl I kind of understand also. Because, you know, if I'm going to teach about the family, if I'm going to teach about marriage, what's going on in my marriage? Right. And so I'm very thankful that Kathy keeps us on the straight and narrow. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and you're very thankful you have golf courses you can go and uh, get away. That's true. All yeah. right. So more from Focus on the Family, Tom. They are expected to have ideal families to be perfect people. To always be available, to never be down, and to have all the answers we need to keep our own lives stable and moving forward. Like you said earlier, who's going to cast the first stone here? And so because he, uh, the pastor cares and has a heart, why is it that they are expected to be perfect? They may be also the first people, Scott, that might say, yeah, I think I blew that. I right. think that didn't come out right. Well, okay, so is there grace? Aren't we thankful that we received grace from our God? And there, there's mercy? Or are we going to be like the Pharisees and who's going to cast the first stone here? Well, I seem to remember Jesus when he was confronted with a woman caught in the act of adultery. And yeah. And he said, the law says, stoner, what do you think, Jesus? Yeah. And he sat down and scribbled in the mud and everybody left. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's called grace. Definitely. All right. What's the next one? Well, and and Scott, so those are, there are unrealistic expectations to place on anyone. Yet most of us are disappointed when a pastor becomes overwhelmed, seems depressed, lets us down, or completely burns out. Well, we've talked about emotional bank accounts in previous shows. Essentially what that is, we all have an emotional bank account, and when we send a blessing. If I say something to you that's like the celebration of success. There we go. Ding. Ding. Yes. And that's like a deposit into your emotional bank account. Emotional withdrawals or writing checks out of it would be things that didn't go well. You might have been upset. Well, and you might be in a serious need to have more deposits put in, just like most people's checking account. They'd always say, yeah, I think we should have more. Well, here it is. They, pastors, have an emotional bank account too. Yeah. They want it to to be blessed. And, and, you know, what are you more likely going to do as you're a listener out there? Are you more likely going to let the pastor know when, hey, you said that was verse 15. Do you know it was really verse 16? Or, hey, pastor, great word today. How does the pastor receive that? And then we wonder about burnout. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, the idea of the emotional bank account. You know, we talk about that so often in marriage. Right. Where there's a give and take. There's usually a giver and a taker in in a marriage. Well, 
think about this for a second. The pastor has a spouse, and they're dealing with that emotional bank account there in right. that relationship. Right. Then they also have the double relationship with the church. Right. And there's an emotional bank account going on there. So our pastors are double dipping on emotional bank accounts, and one cannot always feed the other, but they one can certainly take from the other. Right. So which way do you want to go with the pastor? Do you want to help fill his emotional bank account, or do you want to be the one who said, you know, you said that was Mark and it was really John? Did you really? <laughs> is that the best you got? Yeah. And is that really that critically important? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a uh, similar example at the Y. You know, I sit in my laps three and sometimes four days a week. Well, there are people who let the lifeguards know it is cold in that pool. <laughs> or the opposite. That's way too warm. We cannot swim in it. Well, you know, they, they know where these people are coming and they're cringe. You know, yeah. they see them coming. Oh, man, it must not have been warm <laughs> enough or it was too warm. I make it a point. To always say to them, boy, was the water nice today. Great temperature. Sometimes I think they get even with uh, those who say it's way too cold. Well, they crank it up about six or seven degrees more than what's normal. (laughs) You could cook in there, you know. Or the opposite's true. It's way too cold, so we'll go in and the pool will be like, I think some passive-aggressive stuff happening there. But anyway. See, I I can see... I can see that happening where I get in the pool every once in a while, too. And I, I think what I need to start doing is just walking by them on the way out. Hey, thanks for being here. Yeah. Because most of the time they're teenagers. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not even really adults yet. So, right. you know, and it's okay to say thank you for stuff like that. Do you realize what that means? That we're relying on a teenager to save our life and a drink if we can. <laughs> well... You know, and I and I'm okay with that because I have been there at times uh, when they are actually doing right. practice. Yeah, and they're pulling them off the bottom of the pool. Oh my gosh! So I'm, yeah. I am more than happy to let them do that. Yeah, and so let's not lose sight of the fact that in the lifeguard's eyes, you want to be one of the ones who blesses them, encourages them, deposits in their emotional bank account something positive, or a negative. It's the same thing with the pastor. Exactly. So Focus has launched a um, new and online initiative, I guess you call it, a new website. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and Scott, so it's the spirit of, in, in the spirit of Pastor Appreciation Month, Focus has launched the Focus Pastor, which is a, an online dashboard where church leaders can uh, access libraries for free. They get their proven tools, that, uh, as an example, designed to help them manage their churches more effectively might be a resource that you could share with your pastor. And a couple of key points on the website, there's a need for change in the perception of being a pastor to being positive. Right. It, it really ought to be. And, and so not only has Focus on the Family done that for pastors, they've also done that for counselors. You can call there and talk to the counselors just to is what we say in the field, um, process a case that you're working on. Well, confidentiality in place, talking about the dynamics of it and trying to understand where am I stuck with it or get a different perspective on it, to get encouragement from it. Focus is really reaching out to leaders 
So uh, you'll be able to find that website uh, when you go to to uh, focus on the family and look through their resources. You know, and you know there are a couple of things that that perception of the pastor being a positive one. This this right. individual is a role model in the community. Right. You know, the pastor should be welcomed in schools. To yeah. Talk to the kids. To talk to uh, civic groups. Mm-hmm. You know, to encourage each other and to encourage people. And there is one other key point I think the website tries to make. Every pastor, including staff ministers and his or her family, would feel appreciated by those they serve. Thus, Pastor Appreciation Month. Hey, there's a great idea. Why didn't we think of that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so to assist congregations in this process, they've developed a planning guide, both in English and in Spanish, intended to facilitate and publicize this time of, of celebration. You know, the whole Spanish thing is really great. And I think it's a growing thing that, as an example, um, Sunday I was in a local grocery store, and it was like it was more, there was more Spaniards and Spanish-speaking people in there than English. And I'm like, man, they're they're talking, and I don't have a clue what they're saying. Oh, yeah. There, there's a, a growing movement of churches around my area that are uh, Nepali. And all of these people from Nepal have emigrated to the U.S., and they've started making churches. Interesting. So my church has started a relationship with them, and they use our baptistry. They will come in and do special services there and do stuff like that. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, just one more way that we kind of become a mission field of sorts. Which is wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, the nice thing— that one of the things that you can do maybe is tie your church to another one. Help start a church of somebody that doesn't speak like you. Well, interesting. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and you never know what God may do with that. The last church I went to, I think they're actually changing to a multicultural church finally mm. because they're they're in a neighborhood now that that's what it is. It's a multicultural neighborhood. Yeah, so instead of, you know, just trying to do people appealing to people like me, they're trying to appeal to people that don't speak English. And, it's very good. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So let's let's talk. Let's go back and cycle back on something, Tom. And we have we have talked about this before, but it, it struck my mind as we were reading through you're reading through these things when the expectation is to have ideal families, perfect people, and always available. Oh yeah. What, you mean your son's got a soccer match? Well, I sprained my ankle. Right. Yeah. You know, let's talk for just a minute about the the need for what you have advocated for with pastors in, in a sabbatical and what that looks like for the for the church and for right. for the pastor. It's really important. It's basically paid time off depending on the size of the church that could anywhere be from a month to two or three months, maybe more in some of the bigger churches. It's about a time of regenerating their battery it's and recharging it and taking time to pray and focus on growing in the Word. And so that's a great strategy, Scott, so that they don't end up having a burnout and leaving their position in the church. But, Tom, <laughs> I only get two weeks of vacation a year. Shouldn't two weeks be enough for the pastor? Well, there was enough uh, evidence here for the FMLA family leave that the law, I, you ha- I think we have to grant people giving them family leave time off for the employee. 
that's their version of a sabbatical. So see, I mean, it's still there. And so this is really not about you take a sabbatical and go down to Florida. You don't want to go today, there. You today. may not want to be there for a couple more weeks. Yeah, yeah no. you probably won't be able to get there anyway. <laughs> or go west to Arizona and you know sit in the sun for a while. No, there might be something said. Uh, like there's a retreat I've been told in Kentucky, kind of up in the mountains where there's no Wi-Fi. Oh, please <laughs> send me. Yes, do you realize what that means? There's no phone calls. There's no internet. There's no text. There's no emails. In fact, I'm not even sure you're allowed to take your phone to it. Wow. It's just you, your Bible, and your God. And, and so it's about time to relax. I, I recall back in 2017, Kathy and I had gone through a very difficult storm at Heritage. And I was also an elder at the time. And the elder team was looking at me going, he's not the Tom we remember. He's not quite right. Something's off. You know, Kathy could speak to that more so than, <laughs> than anybody. But one of the, the elders from our, our sister church said to us, we have for you, it's called a lake uh, level condo. Well, it was on Lake Erie, if I'm thinking right, and is for pastors or leaders to go retreat in. And so Kathy and I went for five days. We had no agenda whatsoever. And we just relaxed. I remember we would get up in the morning, we'd go for walks. Well, Kathy wanted to walk into town because there was this really super ice cream shop. <laughs> <laughs> So we 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 would you know we, uh, go eat our uh, benefits that we had from the walk. Yes, and, but at least we walked back. Maybe we broke even. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a time to kick back and relax. You know, it, it was so powerful. I remember thinking we have absolutely nothing on the agenda today, just to talk about what we've been through and to pray, read the Word. It was just good stuff. I, I remember. We took a book and we spent time in it. What would stop us from giving that to our pastor so he can have his battery charged and he can lead us? Now, you may have picked up that Tom is rather passionate about (laughs) pastors. Right. And I know for a long time at Heritage, you have said that you want to be a pastor to the pastors and give them that outlet. So as we wrap up today, Tom, and and maybe some pastors are listening or some pastor spouses are listening, they're going, oh, that would be so nice. You know, maybe starting a conversation with you could lead to maybe a sabbatical or at least being able to make sure that they're on the right track in how they're handling their family and their church and that kind of thing. How can they get hold of you to talk? Well, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. And the hardest, the most difficult part of a sabbatical is the last day when you know you have to go back to work the next day. (laughs) Oh, I almost forgot a piece of housekeeping. Okay. We had mentioned, uh, oh boy, a good three or four weeks ago now, that we were going to produce a bonus episode of the session. That session has been produced and is now on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. It is the unfiltered version 
uh-huh. of Scott and Tom <laughs> talking about the need to put prayer back in schools. Fantastic. It is a little bit longer, a little more in-depth, and a little more opinionated, <laughs> uh, but not, not crude, just right. more opinionated. And it is on the podcast network. You'll see bonus episode. You'll be able to take a listen to that, and you can let us know what you think. Thanks okay. for joining us today for the session.